Kelly, you did a Spartan race this weekend. I want to hear all about it. Okay. I apparently didn't just do a Spartan race. I apparently did the season kickoff for their national championship series, which apparently is really, really competitive. Okay. Have you done Spartan races before? I mean, I've done like handfuls of obstacle course stuff over the year, but the last one of that was like this I did was two years ago. And okay. evidently in the last two years, it got like shit super got real. Serious. Shit got real. We were, I was full out sprinting at the start to catch up to the front through like mud. And I was like, even if there weren't obstacles, I can't maintain this effort for <laughs> eight miles. And then there were obstacles. And then you have to like jump a wall and climb another wall and carry a rock and, you know, carry a log and all that stuff. Okay. And did you do any specific training like for obstacles? No. <laughs> okay. So do you have more bruises than other people? My only specific training was at the start when I was changing. I was like, hey, what is that one? I've never seen that before. And someone explained to me how to do it, <laughs> which was good because then I knew how to do it. <laughs> Right. But other than that, no, I, I mean, I have, uh, this is like, I CrossFit casually during the off season. <laughs> so I'm like capable of doing some of this stuff, uh, but I am not good at it. I don't know the technique. So a lot of times I'm making it like harder on myself or I'm slower. I like ran into a wall and didn't get over it. I just like <laughs> ran into it and fell. And then I was sitting there. This was like the third wall in the race. We were only like a mile in and I was like, shit is going to be a really long day so that picture that you shared on the newsletter of that guy coming over that rooftop yeah thing like was that a real obstacle like did you have to climb yeah, yeah, over you, a building no it was just like it was built it was a rope and you climbed it that was like an easy one that, Sarah. Was, the, <laughs> that was easy that was not one of the hard ones i fell off two that were like america ninja warrior type of have you ever watched america do you have canadian ninja warrior is this we don't know we watch american ninja warrior Okay, so those are the ones I'm bad at because of the grip strength. I can't, like, hang from a ring and then jump from one ring to another ring to a bar to a rope. Like, I'm not as, I'm not good at that. Right. So those are the ones I struggle with, FYI. Well, I think even attempting it is pretty cool. So anyway, you should try them, though. Everyone should try them in the off-season, not during season, because there was a point where I was hanging, like, on an inverted metal monkey bar wall and I started to slip in the mud and I looked down and I was like, oh shit. Like if I fall right now, there is a lot of metal between me and the ground 20 feet below. Wow. So don't do it during the season. Okay. <laughs> Advice okay. from someone who knows. Okay. This week on the show coming up, we have what triathlon can learn from obstacle racing, Zwift and the CVR final, whatever that means, angry comments online and how the NFL controls their cheerleaders. Live Feisties, If We Were Riding is brought to you by Ass Kicker Inc., whose boutique line of activewear for women features positive uplifting messages such as strong is the new skinny and I can, I will, end of story. You can support the podcast and get 20% off with the code RIDING at AskKickerInc, Inc. with a K, if We Were Riding is also proud to be sponsored by Crave Jerky. Crave Jerky is low in fat, a good source of protein, gluten-free, yay, and contains all natural ingredients. You can support the podcast and get 20% off your online orders by using the code RIDING at CraveJerky.com. That is Crave with a K. I'm Kelly O'Mara. And I'm Sarah Gross. And you're listening to Live Feisties If We Were Riding.
of you people can tell me to stop This time, like the last time You better get ready to race to the top I'm ready to do this Show you what the truth is I step on the field, it's time to get real I'm feeling so ruthless So Kelly, in the newsletter you mentioned A couple things about obstacle racing That you felt Iron Man could learn a little bit from So first, if you want to be cool You call it OCR, Sarah The OCR community is actually very passionate. And OCR, obstacle course racing, has done a very good job building that community. And I think Ironman or even triathlon at large, other sports could learn from this. In the newsletter, I talked about free pictures as one of the things that is really like, really helped spur the massive growth. You know how it just kind of blew up? It was like one day seemed like everyone had done a Tough Mudder. And that was because they gave everyone free photos and everyone posted it on social media. And they like really understood social media marketing and that concept of creating tribes and like identifying with other people. You know what I'm saying? Right. And also like that Facebook Live video was amazing. That's the other half of it is they've done a really good job. What's the word? Serving the needs of this community they've created. So they did this. Like I told, like I said, this was a really competitive championship series race. So people actually cared and follow like the pro Spartan race. Yes, there are pro Spartan racers. It's a real thing. It's a real thing. It's a real thing. So that they get paid by sponsors. So they have sponsors. Spartan race itself has a pro ambassador team. that they pay to do like a set number of their races that go out and promote Spartan and like do community events and are super and they do open houses before races to like come and meet people to try the obstacles and then they do these really professional looking Facebook live coverage it's like what you would see on TV Mm -hmm. it just happens to be Facebook live it has commentators it has sideline reporters it has like drone photos and it has, you know, people in the comments being like, this is how insidery the whole community's gotten. They're like, oh my God, she always falls on grip obstacles. Clearly she needs to work out more. And they all make fun of CrossFitters, which I also think is hilarious because you're all the same guys. Like I got to do Right. <laughs> right. So they've managed to create like a really tight knit community by like serving their needs, by like taking the long-term approach Mm -hmm. because that's the other thing Spartan did. They definitely like lost money in the short term when everyone was doing Tough Mudder and Muddy Buddies and all the other ones. Right. But they took this like long-term approach that by having times and places and officials and penalties, Mm -hmm. even if people in the short run didn't like didn't do it in the long run, you would want to come back and improve your time and your place and everything. Interesting. You know, I had a, okay. Last year when we were in Kona for the Iron Women, brand we did a lot of Facebook live videos and I had some sponsors that were you know and I wanted to put I wanted to be able to put like graphics on and maybe ads or put something across the bottom of the screen so I had to look into this live thing like obviously I'm not doing like drone shots or anything like that you could Um, they're cheap you should get a drone I should get a drone I actually should and but I did at the time watch like a bunch of YouTube videos about how to do Facebook live and how to use this app I had downloaded and it's actually just not that hard or complicated but what struck me was that a lot of the media people in the triathlon community who were also in Kona were sitting scratching their head going oh how do we monetize a live uh I don't know understand this we can't do live like then everything's on Facebook we don't want it on Facebook we want it on our website I'm like uh guys guess what <laughs> everybody's on Facebook <laughs> that's a fair point though like I'm a little like eh, why are we giving a different company all of our content for free. I'm a little, I get that. I get it. But the other thing is these media companies have lots of people on payroll for lots of money. Like of those 70 positions that Iron Man just hired in Tampa or whatever. Right. 
right so they like, could add someone yeah. yeah so like here i am like one person who's never really used this facebook live in this way right of trying to do interviews and cover an event and have sponsors on the screen and yet i managed to get together like a proper microphone stream live from my phone put the ads in and just like by watching a couple of youtube videos so i feel like if i can do that iron man or whatever other race wants to do it could do it and i am available if you want to talk to me about it for a small fee oh good i feel like they're definitely going to take you up on yeah, that for sure 100 percent. the other thing though is spartan is still super dude heavy yeah you said you had a story so I raced the elite heat because I wanted to actually race it. And if you really want to compete, you have to race the elite heat. Like there are actual officials and penalties and you can't help each other. And there's times and there's places, right? So the elite men went ahead of us, 15 minutes ahead of us. And you can self-select, okay? So anyone can race the elite heat, but all the good people do. Does that make sense? Yeah. So about 180 men raced in the elite men's heat, right? Mm -hmm. The elite women's heat had, I think it was 60 or 70, Okay. That's actually a lot of people. Yeah. But do you know how many, at first I thought like, wow, that's really a lot more guys than women, except here's the big part. Do you know how many elite men I caught who started 15 minutes ahead of us? <laughs> oh, tell us. I'm excited. Like maybe 40. Wow. No. And I solidly beat more than half of the elite men, like by time. And yet I barely beat half of the elite women. Right. So this feels like a classic. This is classic. We see this in like triathlon, how like the top age groupers, the men are all like, I should go pro. I'm going to be amazing. And they like have won one race. And the women are all like, I'm not going to be as good. I don't want to come in last. Like I'd be so embarrassed. Mm -hmm. Turns out it's like everywhere, every sport. This is so classic. Right. Totally makes sense. Well, I'm proud of you for beating all those Thank people, you. despite not being a, despite being a pro triathlete. They gave me tips as I passed them. So that was great. Oh, that was very kind of them. Very kind. Yes. Um, okay. So this CVR World Cup final that just happened in LA, it's on Zwift. Also this weekend. Yes. Also this past weekend. I have no idea what it is and what it's about. And I would like you to tell us. Okay. So you understand or do not understand Zwift? I got Zwift in terms of being a video game on bikes. Right. If you explain it as a massive multiplayer video game, they don't like that. I, I <laughs> That's why I said that for people yes. who love Zwift. So on this virtual online training platform, there are obviously like events, all that like people will host rides and people virtually get together to ride. And then there are also like races. And the CVR World Cup is a specific race series that is sponsored by a company. What is it called? Cyclogent or something like that. And over eight weeks... There are a series of races every week and you pick, there are like seven regions, five regions worldwide, something like that. And you pick which region you actually like don't have to compete in your geographic one. You compete in whatever one you want based on time. Mm -hmm. Like, I mean, like day, time of day. And after the eight weeks, like the best people, like you earn points every week, best people get to come to the final. The final is in person. They, this time it was at the LA Velodrome. So they all had their trainers on the floor of the LA Velodrome and were riding next to each other, but still competing virtually on the computer. On the screen. Okay. On the screen. So, okay. And then people win prizes and awards. And to be super clear, someone asked this when I mentioned this in the newsletter. Mm -hmm. If your finals performance is too far away from your performances in the eight weeks leading up, then that raises flags and suggests that you were lying and cheating in your virtual performances before. Right. And then you would be kicked out. Okay. So like a way to cheat, for example, would be like, if you input the wrong weight or something, then you right. like, you might get up a hill, you might get up a hill faster. 
for example. Right. I think that's the only real way to cheat. Obviously, you could like lie about your power, but most people use these smart trainers that, you know, do the calculation for you. I don't have a smart trainer, but that's my understanding. Okay. It reminded me a a bit of the CrossFit model where you have sort of the open happening in like all all kinds of corners of the world and then you've come together for the final. Yeah, it's currently happening, Sarah, at my box, FYI. (laughs) (laughs) It's happening at your box. Okay. Mm -hmm. (laughs) Um, But yeah, so then, okay, so my questions about this are like, how does like this whole thing, but it doesn't cost you anything to enter, right? The first round to get. No. So how do they, like how do they make money on this thing? Okay, so one, you can buy a training program to okay. improve your scores over the eight week series. They definitely try to sell you training programs. They also sell like gadgets, gear, like things that you can you know use during your Zwifting. My understanding is also that Cyclogent is a like data management company. They make, oh wait, 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 what did they make? They make sophisticated web apps. There you go. <laughs> okay. <laughs> First, web apps for cycling data. For all kinds of data, okay. but they do like, the, so I, my understanding is this is kind of possibly like one of the things that they're also are trying to sell to like other users, right? You can buy their like tool that tracks, like it's kind of like training peaks, I think. I don't know, whatever. But like, tracks data and rankings and races and they have partnered also with Zwift so the CVR World Cup is not I don't want to, I don't know the right way to say this like it is not sponsored by Zwift but it is on Zwift and Cyclogent is very much tied to Zwift like Zwift uses their data system so it's all you know it's all connected and there are other sponsors too like Cyclops is a sponsor Saurus is a sponsor so I feel like it's like they may be losing money on some like on the prize purses Mm -hmm. because there were prize purses Yeah, that was my next question because you know the guy who won the men's race right yeah a random triathlon friend because triathlon is a small world her husband like won it and he told me so i was instagram messaging with him to try and understand how it works Mm -hmm. and he told me he won seventy seven hundred dollars Wow. That's, I know. Well, there you go. You know, there's a woman who's like heavily involved in organizing this. She's called Ruby Zambrano. And she contacted me a few times during the past year and a half, kind of looking for women specifically, because she's super passionate about women cycling to get involved in this. So how do people sign up if they want to do this? Like if you do Zwift already, it's the next round starting. If you do Zwift already, the next round is starting and you just like go to league registration and you just sign up like you would sign up for any race and you like pick your zone that you want to be in. If you don't already know how to Zwift, well, well, Sarah, do you know how to Zwift? (laughs) No, I do not. I do not. Okay. Then you Google it and there are YouTube videos. But I mean, there's also obviously this is like the hot thing, right? The indoor, we're calling it the indoor market. And I don't totally know how it got so big. I'm not surprised. Like in the last sort of two to three years, cycling feels more dangerous outside. More people are preferring to ride inside. Trainer riding was always a little bit boring. So now you can make it a uh, community thing. So I get it. Yeah, I guess what I don't understand is if I'm on Zwift, how do I watch my TV shows? 
I would have to have like two screens then, right? <laughs> yeah, you should just watch your TV shows. <laughs> I should just watch my TV shows. So if you want to get on Swift, you like go, you sign up, you can just do it with a regular trainer and some kind of like computer app, I believe. You don't have to have a smart trainer. The smart trainers are more integrated because then they read the resistance and speak it. I'm saying this weird, but like shoot it right to the Zwift app, which you can like plug into your TV if you have a fancy TV or on your computer or do whatever. And people can even send you like Zwift workouts your coach can send you and you can do them and be like, it's all integrated. But I don't know. I don't like things to be too easy when the technology is trying to get too smart. Well, <laughs> that's when you end up. What did I tell you? That's when you end up having to go through months of Strava rides and deleting things because they accidentally uploaded and right. duplicated. Ugh, ugh, right. Ugh. <laughs> So if you want to play a video game on your bike, back to my original <laughs> assertion, so I join Zwift. Okay, Kelly, I wanted to talk to you about this, basically like the responses to one of the articles I posted on livefeisty.com. Okay, so. Yeah, Lisa wrote about yeah. diversity in triathlon. Yes, she wrote, Lisa Ingerfield, she has a PhD in strategic communication. So she's like super plugged into this conversation about diversity and how to achieve it. And she uses all the academic language around that. Oh, good. That's what we're <laughs> That's really it. lacking here. <laughs> but it is an interesting article, people. So go go there. It's called The Crux. Did I say this already? It's called The Crux of the Matter. Um, anyway, what was super interesting to me, and I'm wondering if you have a thought about this, is that like literally people, we got a lot of comments on Facebook in a variety of places um, on our Live Feisty Facebook page if you want to read the particularly angry ones. No, no, don't read the comments. <laughs> Nobody, go, don't, don't do that. The comments, I want to know what people are thinking. But what was super interesting is that like, the African-American triathlon community, like by and large, loved the article that we had a lot of responses of like, thank you, someone finally talking about these things. What were the specific things that she talked about that they thought hadn't been talked about before? Because obviously diversity gets talked about like all the time. Yeah. She wanted to talk about basically was taking kind of a macro level look at like we move too quickly to conclusions like or to mm. trying to solve problems like oh well now we need to add more brown people like but that's not really like that's not really talking about some of the issues around access and barriers and so uh. she wanted to talk about basically privilege and what creates privilege in triathlon and then how socioeconomic class and race and gender like intersect to create problems historically and how those factors play in so she was really analyzing the problem in a way that and you're going to say that people on facebook didn't love this idea well let me tell you the african-american tribe community like i said were like one guy wrote that he thought that the the writer he didn't realize the writer was white until she self-identified at the end like she assumed that it was an african-american speaking people were like this is great let's talk about it more there were like lots of comments just people sort of brainstorming about what could be done to like encourage more african-americans or help with the socioeconomic issues and then like <laughs> the lack of like the more traditional <laughs> white guy 50 year old male You're like stereotypical triathlete your stereotypical triathlete response like we had like guys like yelling at us there was a guy who said microaggressions don't exist this entire article is a pile of shit somebody posted a ben shapiro video <laughs> oh my god i don't even i can't even handle ben shapiro don't even but that for me, the reason I bring this up is that for me, it was it was like this strange polarizing of responses. Like there were very few people in the middle. 
it was like hmm. either like we love this article thank you for finally bringing up the real issues or this is a pile of shit literally that's because like, it's <laughs> in our current cultural moment right mm-hmm. Everyone is seeing everything as a, what's the fancy, like a signaling of larger things and a drawing of a line, right? Mm -hmm. You're saying either we're us or we're them. You see what I'm saying here? You're not like, and so like there are very real issues. There are very real like historical context and socioeconomic and racial intersection issues and all of that. And you might think that you're just pointing them out and you're not pointing the finger at anyone. And you're not saying you're a bad person because you are white, right? Like you don't think you're saying that, but you are, Sarah, you are. (laughs) and in this current moment Mm -hmm. things are being read like through that lens it's happening everywhere right like it's happening when like Meryl Streep made her Oscar speech and people got mad about it even though it wasn't like an angry speech it's like it happens all the time when you're like around and you're wearing some t-shirt and somebody reads the t-shirt like they interpret it through their it's very exhausting right now it's exhausting but what I can't quite get my head around is why like and I'm sure there's lots of people who think this well there was this election at the end of 2016 not not why that why why there aren't more people because so for example I'm like a white girl that comes from like sort of privileged socioeconomically there's a reason I could afford triathlon to begin with and felt that I could afford it and belonged like all of those things like I'm willing to own those things and go, how can I make it better? How can I make it better for other people? And why can't more people just say that? Because it feels like you're attacking them. It's actually like a really interesting conversation going on around the high school kids who are organizing the marches right now mm-hmm. and how they've managed to make them very inclusive and be very welcoming and like very acknowledging of their privilege and of other stories out there being told that they are not being told. But these are kids who grew up with that concept And so it might be slightly a generational, you know what I mean? It might be a generational thing a little bit. Anyway. Anyway, it's interesting. Check out the article. Go to the Live Feisty Facebook page and uh, check out some of the fun comments. Do not read the comments. The comments are the best, Kelly. Okay, so (laughs) let's, let's talk about this newsletter story about the NFL cheerleaders. What was weird to me is like cheerleaders... I didn't realize that they're being controlled to such a ridiculous level. They're not allowed to have public Instagram accounts or be in the same restaurant as a player. And if the player arrives in the restaurant after them, the cheerleader has to leave. Like, how are they getting away with this? In all fairness, I think the rules vary from team to team, okay. to be super clear. Mm-hmm. And so those were the Saints rules, um, though the rules are usually pretty strict. Like, there are generally, like, very strict requirements because the NFL wants to control the commodity of being a cheer of the cheerleaders, right? Like if you cannot go out and market yourself as a cheerleader and cannot post on social media that you're an NFL cheerleader and cannot then like charge for dance classes or for, you know, being a hostess, then the only way that you make money is through like the VIP events and the guest events that the NFL controls. And then they make money off you. Like, you see what I'm saying? They can sell the cheerleaders as a commodity and they don't want you to cheapen the commodity of you by going out there and just putting it all over the place. Okay. And can NFL players, can they create their own brand as an NFL player? Are they allowed to do that? Yeah. I mean, because they have a union and they have contracts that are obviously NFL players still get pretty fucked, but less fucked. So that's good. There have also been a number. The only reason I know all this is because there was a bunch of big lawsuits. Okay. The cheerleaders sued. (laughs) A bunch of teams got sued because they were paying well below minimum wage. One example, the 49ers cheerleaders were making $125 per game. 
Ouch. Which I'm pretty sure even if you just counted the game hours, that would still be less than I make per hour. But it also doesn't count all of the practices then. They don't get paid for like practices or for those promotional appearances that they're required to do. So it worked out to ultimately for the season to 275 per hour. Wow. Which is less than minimum. And did they win their lawsuit? Yeah, a lot of, obviously there were different teams that got sued. And so some settled and like has been happening over the last few years. I know like the Raiders, the Oakland Raiders paid out a big settlement. It was like in back wages, like a million. And a lot of them now make minimum. They've definitely been trying to like ease up on some of those requirements because you would be required to do promotional events. And by promotional events, I mean that like VIPs would pay to come and drink with a cheerleader or pay to watch a cheerleader do backflips in her bikini (laughs) or pay to be in a hot tub with a cheerleader. Only then like the cheerleaders wouldn't be making that money, which like at least then like, you know, you'd still be like, that's weird, but they'd be making the money, but they weren't. It was going to the team. The cheerleaders also had to meet like very strict, generally appearance requirements. Like you have to do like cartwheels in... If they see any jiggling, you're like benched and you don't get paid for the game that week, right? Like all kinds of weird stuff like that. So they've been trying to ease up on some of that. Right. So our message to the NFL this week, (laughs) this week is stop treating your cheerleaders like a commodity. We would like to thank our sponsors, Ass Kicker Inc. and Crave Jerky. You can support the podcast and get 20% off by using the code RIDING, that's R-I-D-I-N-G, at asskickerinc, inc with a K, dot com. And Crave Jerky, crave with a K, dot com. If you don't already, follow us on all the social medias at If We Were Riding on Instagram, Facebook, and Twitter. And make sure you subscribe to our feed on iTunes or Stitcher or wherever you get your podcasts. If We Were Riding is hosted by Kelly O'Mara and me, Sarah Gross. Our fabulous editor is Aaron Hamilton. My time, my time. None of you people can tell me to stop this time like the last time. You better get ready to race in the top. I'm ready to do this, show you what the truth is. I step on the field, it's time to get real. I'm feeling so ruthless. Okay, so before we go, Kelly, I wanted to call you up on something that you said last week. Um, okay. You mentioned that you had a strong opinion about the snooze alarms, and I can't believe I let it go at the time because I'm like, wh- what? What is, Why? Oh, no. Do you press snooze? Because I don't think we can be friends if you press snooze. <laughs> I don't, actually. I don't press snooze. I am fundamentally anti-snooze. Here's the thing. It's not me thinking I'm, like, better than you or that you're lazy. The <laughs> real lazy person wakes up the latest they possibly can, and so their snooze is not an option, right? I wake up at 8.36 if I have to be somewhere at 9.15 or whatever. That was an example. That is pretty much my schedule, though. So I can't press snooze because if I press snooze, I, like, will not make it. I have already committed to sleeping the longest amount I can mm-hmm. sleep. Whereas snooze is just some fucking bullshit where you can't commit to being like a sleeping in. You're like, oh no, but I wake up. I always wake up at six. Ha ha ha. I'm so much better than Kelly because I get up early. But then you press snooze like four times and you're lying to yourself and you're keeping everyone awake. And it's just some, just, just, just commit, just commit already. (laughs) uh, We have a new alarm system in our house. It's instead of setting an alarm now, I just set the coffee maker and it has like a built-in grinder. So like okay. at whatever time I want to get up, literally instead of beep, 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 it's like the sound of coffee grinding loudly from the kitchen, which is my favorite. So it's a great way to wake up. 
I also am adamant that you should have at least a day a week where you don't have an alarm. Like if you're getting up early every day on the weekends on your hot, like, and you're having to set an alarm to make yourself get up and then down your four cups of coffee, Mm. that is not a long-term plan for like health sustainability. I agree. 